0: Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. I'm Ben, and this week we have an awesome conversation
2: between Elise and Ray Ukon. Here's Ray to read their bio. So my name is Ray Ukon, and my pronouns are he, him, and they, them. Um, And I am a queer and trans Japanese collage artist with a fascination for the hidden spiritual world. Um, My art reflects a journey of understanding the relationships that make up my life um, and that inform me and my journey towards inner peace. And specifically, collage has been a really healing medium for me. Um, Something about the act of taking something that exists already, whether that be newspaper, magazines, whatever that I can get my hands on um, to create something totally new, straight out of my imagination mirrors my own experience of holding my queerness, my transness, um, everything that I have together in forging my own unique identity. Um, so each tear in a piece of paper for me represents a process of letting go but also embracing the new things that can come arise while awaiting the unique surprises that each tear um, and each piece can offer. Through workshops and classes, I aim to cultivate safe spaces for creation. And currently I am a teaching artist at the Banana Factory and in Bethlehem um, at the Lehigh University Art Galleries, as well as the art establishment in Fountain Hill. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about me.
1: <laughs> Ray, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs>
2: Nice. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm very excited. Um, I don't, we didn't meet very long ago, but I'm excited because I feel very connected to your art and I enjoy your artwork a lot. So it's great to have you here to chat for a little bit.
2: That makes me so happy. Every time somebody says that my art connects with them, that's, that always warms my heart so much. (laughs) So thank you for saying that.
1: Absolutely. So let's start off. um, Just tell me a little bit about like how you got into art making
2: okay um yeah i guess if i really want to talk about that then i can't leave out the influence of my grandfather specifically um he was an artist and so growing up going to my grandparents' house in japan like he had these prints and like weird drawings and like small sculptures he he was mainly a sculptor Um, but also did like sketches and watercolor drawings. So I was always surrounded by that. And I remember he had so many different things. Like there would be one piece where he would collage um, different skies and different landscapes together. And so he had a little series of that. And then he had little sculptures that he did Um, and then watercolor drawings of his dogs. So I definitely think when I was a kid seeing that I was like, Oh, this is cool. (laughs) Whatever my grandfather is doing, like, I even though, um, and even though he passed at um, when I was like 13. And so we had a relationship that was cut off, I still felt like I was able to get to know him as a person through his art and through seeing that. So um, with that in mind, I also was really into just drawing and painting and just like mark making as a kid. And that was kind of like my thing, you know, Um, that was the one thing that stuck with me throughout my entire life. Um, And so, yeah, and then now I graduated college in May and um, especially during the past couple of years and especially during COVID, I really went into exploring myself through art. And so, yeah, and then, Opportunities came up, and um, here I am now as a teaching artist <laughs> in the Lehigh Valley.
1: That's super exciting. Thank that's you. That's wonderful. I want to go back a little bit to what you said about your grandfather, because I think that's really beautiful. And I think um, there's definitely a lot of uh, artists that we've had on the podcast, but also just people, artist friends that I have that have uh, this kind of I don't know if like ancestral connection to making art is the right way to put it, but that familial tie to making art and how that impacts you so much from such a young age. So do you want to talk a little bit more about his artwork or, (laughs) Um, and how that, like I like hearing about the crossover just in that little, that little piece talking about like landscape pieces and the landscape piece that you shared with us for today.
2: Yeah. Um, Totally. And even this, I'm really just starting to think about more often as like, I become more experienced as an artist myself, I can't help but think, you know, the people who came before me, the people who have influenced me in my life. Um, But like, when I remember his art pieces, I always, they, you know, I feel like sometimes when I look at art, or when I would go to a museum, um, I would be like, I used to think, you know, okay, I just don't understand this or it's this is too high level or, you know, something like that. And definitely connected to like sometimes the elitist aura that can surround art, fine arts. Um, But I remember my grandfather's art, he would make like goofy things. He had this little thing. I guess this moment where he (laughs) liked messing around with the Mona Lisa. And so he had one where he Photoshopped her out and wrote, um, like out for lunch in her silhouette, in her empty silhouette. (laughs) So you could only see the background. Mona Lisa isn't there, but it just says out for lunch. And then he had another one where, um, there was like a mustache on her very like (laughs) Dada-esque things. And, like that was goofy to me. And I guess I didn't really register that as his part of his artistic creation. But now I'm looking back and I'm like, yeah, you know, he liked messing around too. So that reminds me that art can really be whatever you make it out to be. Like there's no, you know, there's no right or wrong way to make art. And if you just want to make something goofy, then you just make something goofy. But there's also just different, like there's different facets to everybody too. And if you have different facets of yourself, then why would your art also not have different facets of your, um, or yeah, why would your art not have different facets too? Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's, that's (laughs) one thought that I, I had, I remember like, I would always look at those Mona Lisas because he had like four of them in like frames and they were just like, up in his room, and so I would just look at them. There was a there was one with like a mustache, and another one with like her holding a cigarette. It's just a, a very silly series that he had.
1: That's awesome. I love that. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and that kind of idea of having to identify particularly with one style versus being able to kind of just make art and craft for the sake of doing it for yourself too, which I think sounds like that was a big part of his process.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And that's so much like seeing that now, that was also how I approached art making too, especially in the past like year and a half, two years. Um, Because I used to, so um, as a student at Lehigh University, I did not make art as much as I used to because of like studies and it was just super busy um and I was not an art student either um but actually even actually even being a student I still found ways to be creative because um I worked out as a costume designer at Lehigh and so that's one way that I let my creativity out um but anyways during college I didn't really get to explore the like visual arts aspect aside from designing and so when I was going into it, really diving into that the past couple years. Um, it was almost like, okay, where do I start? Like, what do I start with? And I knew I didn't, um, I used to draw a lot of still lifes, um, with like charcoal and like chalk in high school. Um, but then I've, I always felt like I wanted to explore other styles and just other things in general. So. Yeah. And then I entered into collage first because it was just, I remember I really liked collaging as a kid. So I was like, okay, like, you just have things and you have a surface and you have glue and then you just go at it. So yeah. yeah. And then collage has been, for me, collage is also so versatile too. So yeah. And then I just kind of looked at art and if something inspired me and was like, I want to try something like that, um, I would do it. And then kind of add my own little twist to it. And that's kind of how I, um, like practiced, I guess, just like seeing other people's art styles, um, and ways of expressing and being inspired and then trying that on my own and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, see what I like and what I don't like. And yeah, that's kind of how I just like forge a path or go about art making or trying something new.
1: Absolutely. I think, um, that's a, a great description of like your path into self-taught art. It sounds like, um, and just kind of forging away. I almost see it as like mindfulness, like creating that time and space to like be creative and have time for mindfulness in the midst of all of your studies. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. Because I started that. I was still in school when I was, um, really going into art making again. And it's been like, I realize art making is like more than just a hobby. It's really a meditative practice. And because I think when you're in that moment and you're in front of your piece and it's just you, um, I don't know, like you go into this mode where you're, you're like talking with yourself, like you're like, (laughs) you're with yourself because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, Um, do I like this? Mm, Not really like, Oh, like I, like, I do like this here, but that's not the mood I'm going for. Or like, mm, this doesn't really fit right with me. Um, and I feel like sitting time with yourself and like being with yourself and spending time with yourself is so important that, but we don't really think about that because like, well, I spend my, I spend time with myself all the time because I'm with me, but I don't know. I think really sitting with yourself and seeing what you like, what you don't like, it is like a mindfulness practice because you can apply that anywhere. And the things that you do when you're making art, yeah, like it can translate into like, I don't know, just everyday navigating through life. (laughs) So yeah, art making for me has been, yeah, not only just meditative Um, and it's just been like really good for my mental health too. It really, it definitely got me through COVID.
1: You spoke a little bit about collage and your process with that. So how do you define collage and what does that look like in your art making process?
2: Um, good question. (laughs) Collage to me means taking existing materials around you and creating something new straight from your heart and your imagination and your vision and it's interesting because collage even that in itself yes it's been a connecting thread in my pieces throughout the past couple years um but it's it's taken so many different forms because collaging is also just so, you know, just like painting, one painting can look totally different than another painting, just like collage. One way of collaging can look totally different from another way of collaging, even though there's still the same kind of concept. So I remember in the beginning, I um, went for the approach of collaging, of like seeing something like an object and then cutting that object out and then using that object in whatever piece I'm making And that's been super cool too. I really, I really enjoyed that, especially the contrast, the interesting contrast of like a photograph over like paint and like a two, like a, this like weird interaction that goes on when you lay over like a 3d ish image over a 2d background. I just, I just like the weirdness that (laughs) comes around with that. Yeah. 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 Um, but now recently. I've been collaging more with washi, which is traditional Japanese paper. And that one, like it turns the piece, like the washi kind of turns almost like a watercolor. Like, it's like painting with paper, which is totally different from like cutting out images in the magazine and sticking them on. So yeah. And I think that reflects like my relationship with art too. It's always changing. It's always teaching me new things. Um, Yeah,
1: that's great. So just for our listeners, can you explain a little bit about what washi paper is? It's kind of a a buzz thing because I know people (laughs) think I'm sure people think of like washi tape when they hear that. Um, But would you just describe a little bit about that material and how that how that folds into your art making?
2: Yeah, um, so <laughs> folds. I didn't mean. That. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! Oh my god! Horrible. Please keep that in. <laughs>
1: How that goes into your art making <laughs> practice?
2: <laughs> um, so washi is traditional Japanese paper. Um, it is made from different bushes, but um, the most common is made from paper mulberry. And so, um, the process of washi is that this. Um, the inner part of the bark is taken and stripped um, and it's bleached and soaked in water until it turns into like this pulp. Um, And then that pulp is used to make these sheets of paper that have the fibers in the washi in the paper. And it creates like different textures and depending on the technique and even because there's different shrubs that can also be used to make washi, depending on the type of shrub and the type of technique used, it can create... um, like thick papers that have been used in the past to make like umbrellas but it can also be used in making um like a collage and it can also be used as like a wrapping paper washi has just been um a material in japan that has just been versatile and has been used for so many different purposes which i think is interesting about the material too Um, but yeah so that's just a little bit about washi and i was drawn to it honestly because i just really like the texture and i think it just looks really nice and um especially like the way the color is dyed onto the washi i don't know exactly how they do that yet i've been looking for youtube videos um seeing that process but the way the color is just um it really is like watercolor as a paper so yeah yeah, and then layering that um over washi and like creating new colors with like two three different sheets is always so cool and the thing is like i've been working with washi for a few months now um still getting used to the material but whenever you glue down a piece over another like it's it's still hard to predict how it's gonna look like. But I found that like whatever it does end up looking like, it ends up looking like, it ends up looking nice and ends up looking natural and cool. So yeah, and that's part of like the process of collaging too where sometimes like, sometimes things turn out not the way you expected as with all things. But art has taught me that that's okay and that's part of the process and sometimes like not planning something turns um like that's how you get your best your best work right so yeah
1: you described uh washi as kind of the watercolor of paper (laughs) um and is that do you say that because of the kind of translucent nature of the paper
2: yes totally um and again, like there's different types of washi, but there's there's some out there that is so paper, like lighter than a feather. And that one is super cool. If you layer it over, it's like almost like a wash. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen some that even looks kind of like that vellum paper where the pulp is very fine and it's very like uh, meticulously created so that there's not so much... Um, like organicness to it but then I've seen others that have the pulp is like definitely more identifiable yeah that have like the Um, little bits yeah and so but that's very beautiful and then I know you described kind of the layering with the different dyed colors of washi and how that can create new colors because of the transparency as well yeah wonderful So while we're on the subject, I'd love to get into the piece that you brought with you today. Amazing. (laughs) Um, So I'll start with the audio description then we can chat a little bit about it. So this piece uh, is untitled and then in parentheses, Rabbits done in 2021 by Ray Ukon. It's washi collage on canvas, 14 inches by 11 inches. This collage piece appears as a colorful landscape with a deep black sky in the top third of the piece. A speckle of turquoise blue dots cover the sky creating the appearance of stars in the night. In the bottom two thirds of the piece are thin layers of washi paper that make up the landscape portion. Thin textured layers of white, pink, tan, and rich blue of washi paper cover the bottom two thirds of the piece. Thin textured layers of white, blue, pink, tan, and rich blue of washi paper cover the bottom two thirds of the piece. Three small white rabbits sit among the scene. I love this nice. piece very much. Thank you so much. This has um, been
2: one of my most, like my favorite pieces so far.
1: It is extremely relaxing to look at, um, while also having just like this amazing, fantastical element to it. So I very much enjoy it.
2: Thank you. <laughs> cool, okay, I guess I can t- I'll can. talk about it now. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And um, I can talk a little bit about this piece. Yeah so um yeah i started out with just and usually when i go about making pieces it's like i work on it for like two seconds and then i just kind of like let it sit and then one day i'll just snap and like work on it for like four <laughs> or five like whatever how however many hours and then like just keep going um and then i'll like reached almost towards the end and then I'll stop and then I'll go back to it. But basically with this one, um, I started first out with, um, I just wanted to make something with bunnies. I'm not gonna lie. Like that was really (laughs) the core. I was like, I made these drawings of these bunnies, um, on this paper, and I just cut it out and then they were sitting in my desk for like pretty long but i was like one day you guys are going to shine and <laughs> then like i just i don't know i just had this like i've always imagined the bunnies to be in a space that's like if like fantasy like and very mystical you know not really sure if they're on the moon or if they're on yeah. earth or
1: ethereal bunnies <laughs> yeah
2: like wherever but i just wanted that to be the 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 environment that they were going to live in mm. um and then yeah, that's how I kind of got the vision for this um as I was working on it, but yeah, the reason why I did the bunnies in the first place too is that I think I was just like thinking about astrology and I was born in 1999, which is the year of the rabbit. So like rabbits have always been like my thing. <laughs> and I think for this one, I was kind of thinking about my siblings, I have two younger siblings, so there's three of us total and, um, yeah, I was just missing them. So I drew three bunnies and I definitely think that feeling stuck through me when I was making this, like, I wanted the bunnies to be in like, um, yeah, like again, like a peaceful environment. And I think that was reflecting how I was feeling towards my family and my siblings too. Um, you know, just being away from them for a bit has been something that I've been kind of thinking about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the feelings that went into this. Um, I'm also acting like I live so far away from my family, but I only live <laughs> like two hours away. But like two hours away is a lot when you've got when you're working and you have a
1: busy schedule. You yeah, know? it's hard to make make time to yeah. set aside even just to drive somewhere.
2: Very true. So
1: that's cool I didn't I was going to ask if you had drawn the bunnies or if you had cut them out of um, a magazine or a photo or something because yeah. I think a lot of people associate collage with like magazine <laughs> magazines Yeah. yeah. Um, but it can be your own artwork too that you collage from one medium into the next it so. can
2: and that's really fun to do too because like you you know I made the bunnies beforehand and so they were just kind of simmering in the back and kind of Waiting for their debut, and that's also a part of something that I like about art too. Is that you're in control of when you want to do something, when you want to wait for a bit. Because um, there have been other pieces too where I considered putting the drawings in, but I was like, no, this is this is they don't belong here, not yet. <laughs> so, yeah, it's
1: wonderful. Can you describe a little bit about? Um... And if, you, if you'd like to look at this piece as we talk about it, is this piece on your Instagram? It is on my okay. Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so we'll sh- you can search for Ray's Instagram and check out the piece and we'll make sure to share it on our podcast account as well. But um, can you describe kind of, there is like a, a very layered technique to the bottom of this piece and looking at it from a photo, one might think it's painted but it is washi collage. Can you describe a little bit about the technique of like layering and how you got it and how you arranged it to look this way?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, So the bottom layer um, that is underneath all of this is a kind of eggshell white base. um, And then everything on top of it is washi or the bunnies are not washi, but they're still paper. So um, paper collaged over it. And um, usually I start out with kind of like a skeleton. So um, bigger pieces of washi to kind of like frame and make the composition of the piece. So this one, um, if you see on the bottom left, there is that tan piece. And then that kind of flows out into the bottom right. Mm -hmm. So that one came first along with the other tan bits on the um, like... One third of the way down, where the black and the white kind of merge together, Mm -hmm. kind of Um, that like
1: horizon line there. Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Um, Those pieces I put down first to kind of like set the scene for the piece, and then after that, I kind of just like close my eyes and try to imagine the environment that I want to depict, and I really start to think about like the the mood and like the emotion that goes into this so this one i was really trying to go for um peaceful relaxing but also ethereal and magical and um kind of like stars shimmering um but also you're feeling like you're also amongst the stars too so to kind of just like get that feeling i wanted to have like a flow to it that almost looks watery but can also look like haze or some fog so to do that i then collage um this really thin piece of washi that is like different hues of blues and that makes it seem like i think that piece really looks like the watercolor especially if you look at the rabbit on the very right um you can see like some blues there Mm -hmm. um and that's all washi it's just really thin and really looks like it's paint it on because
1: mm-hmm.
2: you can like put the washi over the rabbits too and it kind of seeps you can see the blue on it but it doesn't drown out the rabbits too so right, I really enjoy right. doing that
1: looks like they kind of stepped stepped in the blue yeah <laughs> so in terms of like overall thickness of this piece because we're talking about really really thin paper yeah but multiple layers of it is it identifiably like much thicker than
2: it's actually like thick
1: off the canvas. Or? It's actually
2: not like, unless I just haven't like, maybe one day I'll make a piece where there's so <laughs> much like washy on it that the, there's a significant like layer of thickness on it. But mm-hmm. for this one, not really. It's super like, yeah, like you said, like it's super light. And when you glue it down, it's also, it's also just really nice to glue down. Like it cooperates so much better <laughs> than magazine paper. Yeah. Magazine paper is the absolute worst. <laughs> um i can never get like the little crinkles out it's just an ongoing battle between me and magazine paper but washi has been so much nicer to me where it it really lays down flat really nicely so if anyone is looking to start collaging i really recommend washi
1: do you where do you get your washi paper from
2: um i get it online okay yeah and um I try to like i try my best to support vendors in japan because washi um you know it's it is an art form but it's also um an art form that is dwindling in the sense of there have been you know over the ages less and less makers of washi so i do try to support the vendors that i see online too um but yeah there's tons of websites if you just google like japanese washi um There should be a bunch of websites, and a lot of them also have their websites in English too. So, ordering would probably be a breeze. (laughs) So,
1: you can order it accessibly online. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. We talked a little bit when you got in here. Um, something that you said that I really liked about having a crow mentality for <laughs> for yes. certain things. And you brought this beautiful stone with you. <laughs> yes, I did. Into the studio that you've been holding um, while we're recording. So I just, I love to know, like, in this crow mentality <laughs> of things, um, are you a collector? Are, do you collect things? Do you collect stones or gems or anything like that that made you use that phraseology.
2: <laughs> yes, I I do collect things. I feel like I'm one of those people who collect multiple things like but like for each one I only collect a little bit. So I'm kind of telling myself, "Oh, you know, it's in control," but then I look at the different like categories of things <laughs> that I have and I'm like, "Okay, if there's like 20 categories of things and I have like five each then i'm just gonna have like <laughs> what is that is that like a hundred things i don't know i can't do math, but you know what i'm saying
1: <laughs> that's what people pe- anyone who collects stuff they're like i have it under control <laughs> it's like yeah uh, yeah i don't know
2: <laughs> like so i guess one of the things i like collecting is jewelry and like beads um and i went mentioned that I like jewelry making too so Mm -hmm. and that's always been a thing and I definitely definitely connects to a habit that I've had since I was little of just like collecting pretty things that I see whether that be like beads or like I don't know like little just like little trinkets I just I can't get enough of that (laughs) so yeah and then like other things like I just I like clothes (laughs) clothing I like thrifting so if I see something that I'm like I don't know if I would wear this but like I can just have it. <laughs> it's I cheap. Can just so, have
1: it in my collection. <laughs> yeah. I'm like,
2: who is who is this for? Why are you doing this? But, yeah. And that one I need to get in control a little bit more. But I guess those are the things that I like collecting. Um, and it's also cool to exchange art amongst my friends, too. We hmm. like doing that.
1: That's very cool. Yeah. Do, you, do your friends have similar. Um, Like work in similar mediums or all kind of different?
2: Yeah. One of my friends does collage and painting too, and she combines the two in a way that I really like I really like. Um and like I feel like if you see our pieces together, then um you would see like a difference in them. But what I really like about art is again, like, even if they visually look different, like the more I talk to different artists, like we seem to have a lot in common than like what our pieces might make it seem to be. So, Absolutely. yeah.
1: Do you mean from uh, like a process perspective or from a background perspective?
2: Honestly, from like a process perspective and just how art serves them, mm-hmm. um, especially with the with my friends and like the people I talk to, um, art has been, again, like a meditative practice for them um, a way to connect with them themselves and get to know themselves better. And I totally relate to that. So, yeah. Very cool. So
1: you mentioned clothing and costume design. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Do you (laughs) want to tell us a little bit about the project that you're working on right now?
2: Yeah. So I am currently a costume designer at Zollner Arts Center, um, at Lehigh university, and I'm currently designing costumes for, um, the production Godspell in concert, and it will be showing at Zollner um, in April. I don't have the exact dates down.
1: That's okay. Um, we'll share it out yes. on our account so you can find it. Yes, <laughs> and
2: it's gonna be a super fun, super super wacky time.
1: That's great. Yeah. Is this something you've done before, or is this kind of new for you?
2: Um, so, as an undergraduate student at Lehigh, I costume designed for a couple of productions. Um, I costume design for spring awakening, which was in, um, spring 2018. What's that? <laughs> no, no, that was spring 2019. Um, and then, so I actually costume designed for, um, the gospel production that was scheduled to be in, um, spring 2020, um, but then that one yeah. got canceled because of COVID. And so this is kind of like, a. um, what do you call it? Like a, like a read, like a redo, not a redo. A revamp. <laughs> revamp, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like kind of starting it up again. So I'm actually like, this is gonna mean so much to me when I like, when it goes on, um, cause it's like getting back something that we we initially lost in 2020. It's
1: very cool. Were you, how did you end up doing this? Were you asked to do it because of your interest in costume design or did you kind of seek it out?
2: Um, I I stumbled on this really <laughs> like in in like in a way where I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad I did that because like it made my Lehigh university experience so much better. Um, where during my first year at Lehigh, I took a class called Introduction to Fashion Design mm. because I took some fashion classes in high school and it's just like, i've always just liked fashion so i was like all right like why not um so i went and took the class and the professor was um the director of the theater department at the time and she was also um head of the costumes and her name's erica and she was like hey like you obviously like this like do you want to (laughs) try costume designing and i was like yeah like duh (laughs) so yeah and then i was Assistant costume designer for um, like a smaller production that they had, and then since then I've just been I was involved in at least one show during my college years, and yeah, still continuing to do so.
1: That's very cool. That's something I always wish I could have like gotten into, but
2: <laughs> one day, it's it was... still not today.
1: <laughs> I guess it's not too late. Is there? I'm not super familiar with this show, so is there? kind of like an overall theme to the costumes or are they all a little bit different i don't know how much you want to give away <laughs> okay
2: i will give away i'll give away as much as i i feel comfortable right now with spoilers okay but, sounds good <laughs> um it's super interesting i'm just excited for this in general because godspell is um a story about jesus and these followers and it tells the story of um, the Gospel according to Saint Matthew, um, but essentially these characters, along with Jesus, just kind of explore the parables and songs, and act out um, what's happening. But it's more so about community and unity because what co- what happens is, um, and like this is not really a spoiler because it happens within <laughs> the first song. But these people are here. There's like there's ten of them. Um, and they're like arguing and they can't seem to find like common ground amongst each other. And then Jesus comes and through with Jesus, they come together and learn to accept each other and kind of form this unity amongst them. And so the story in itself um, and the musical, yes, it is religious and also it can really take on um like anything mm-hmm. where depending on who does the production these characters are dressed as like clowns like they've done like hippies like it's every like every rendition of godspell there's a lot of control in the pro- like who's doing it to um tell a like a whole different story that can go outside of just christianity yeah. so that's the reason why i was super excited to do that um and to do this because it's so, it's so open. Um, and obviously like I'm working with the director and, um, with set and lighting. So the designs would fit together and would fit the theme of Godspell. Um, but again, like what I really like doing in my costumes is reflecting what's going on in the present day and like reflect, like being the costumes being, um, emphasizing that the characters are in their world and this is like in like a stage and like a setting but also can relate to the viewer and the viewer can still see themselves in that show and see themselves in the themes of the show so that's what i like to do i like to take inspiration from the from the show and like tie aspects of the show together with what the audience is familiar with and what we are seeing contemporary in contemporary day. Okay. Um, Very
1: cool. So yeah. That's very exciting. Yes. I am very excited. (laughs) Um, When it comes to making your collage art versus your costume design, how does that process differ for you? Like the starting point of that process?
2: Oh, that's interesting. Honestly, I can't think of how they're similar. Sure, Um,
1: that's good too. Yeah,
2: like with with Godspell, and then with like designing costumes in general. I again, and maybe this is just me being so such a Pisces. (laughs) I don't know. Like my moon is also in Cancer, and we don't have to go into this. But to the people who do understand,
1: I was gonna ask. (laughs) (laughs) Sure,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like just water signs. It's all about the feelings, you know. Like <laughs> I'm always feeling something. So when I look at Godspell um, or whatever show that I'm doing, um, I look at the the emotions that are in the show and what the characters are feeling and how the audience is going to be feeling and just the whole general vibe of the sh- the show and the characters. Um and then i kind of try to visualize those emotions and what that would look like and so i really start out with like a building like a mood board okay for yeah and those really help and for me mood boards are not just like um like a mood board is not just inspirational clothing per se but it can be like anything like it can be um I don't know a picture of like a cup of coffee like autumn leaves flowing in the sky i don't know an interesting book quote um an excerpt from a movie or like an extra excerpt from a book or like a scene from a movie um characters in a tv show like different things in culture and what we see around us i feel like have like a certain vibration to them and then if they seem similar i kind of like pull them in and Kind of just like play around with different images and different things i see every day on the internet um to piece together this mood board that has the mood of the of the show and the characters and then that then really helps me ground myself in the designs because it's really useful to have like okay this is a central thing to then make sure that your designs aren't going because they they're able to stand individually still but also holistically all together which is really important for me um for the characters and the costumes to speak with each other so that when there's more than one character or more than one costume on stage then they're all they're unified and they're not kind of going all over the place and that's that definitely I'd use that in my collage um, my visual art pieces too like even with the one that we were just looking at with the rabbits like that one I clung on to like a specific emotion to get me through the piece. And that's something that's really helpful for me to do when I'm working on just anything in general. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. I think that the perception of art making or costume design or collage making could be like, oh, I found this thing and it went with this thing. So I kind of (laughs) like put them together. But you're really talking about the integration of your personal feeling and your personal style and the emotion that you derive from characters in a play or bunnies that you drew yeah, (laughs) and kind of how that like it feeds through this like machine that is your brain and comes out the other (laughs) side a collect a collective piece or a collective design for multiple characters that's very cool thank you i'm excited to hear that
2: yeah and it's cool because like depending on the piece there's totally different moods and emotions going on. And that's, I definitely feel like that is reflected in my visual art, because like I've made pieces, um, before that are totally different than this one piece with one piece with the rabbits. Um, like I've made some that have, that are very cartoony, um, or have like really bold colors, um, and really like sharp lines, um, totally different from that but I'm still able to look at it because for a while I used to be like okay Ray like I need a I need to stick to something because everything (laughs) is looking totally different which is fine but I think a part of me deep down was like kind of hung up on this idea of like okay my work should look they should look unified Mm -hmm. or they should look nice together Um, but now I'm starting to accept like no it's fine because i'm always exploring like i'm not the same person as i was yesterday or like last week or like last year so why would my art look all the same and it's like you know i i would i would just be like just relax like and it's not even about like i don't make art to have it all look nice together just make art to make art yeah so yeah Uh,
1: i relate to that a lot i think that that must be a commonality in self-taught artists because I didn't I didn't go to art school mm-hmm. either. And I think that like that definitely helps you kind of narrow your focus, yeah. not, not in a negative way, but to kind of really refine a specific skill um, and my background. And it seems similarly your background <laughs> in art kind of just developed as that need for creating time and space for yourself yeah. and just seeing like what your brain can produce when you give yourself that space to slow down and just really focus.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so I feel very similarly where I make a little bit of everything and I've always identified it as like craft making mm. but it's it is really a, it's an art form. Yeah, totally. And I've been learning a lot more about like folk art and folk practices and oh, how cool. like that is definitely there's um like a very western-centric view on art making and how folk art kind of delves into um like not white-centric art making practices and that's like such a cool thing that i feel like excited to learn about because it wasn't ever something i was taught in the process of like learning how to make art so it's something to connect with outside of like traditional art making yes which is awesome (laughs) yeah
2: and that's one thing that i like doing too is just learning about how different artists past and present have done have innovated and in ways that we don't really think about like I don't know this past summer I played around with incorporating textile into my art um and honestly to be like that lasted like two weeks and then I was like (laughs) you know what never mind but and that's okay too like exploring something and being like actually that didn't really work or maybe I'll work on that or like I'll come back to that later but yeah totally with like folk art um I think about that too where you just like weird distinctions between like material and how that's categorized in art art history it's always been just like a weird concept to me
1: yeah (laughs) I'm curious now that we're kind of getting into this (laughs) I'm curious your view on like the necessity this came up a little bit last week in our episode of how like prehistoric cultures kind of developed art making into their everyday lives and it's really it's really an impressive thing because in a time period where your single goal is like survival and there's not necessarily like time outside of that to be making art that like it's amazing that this like group of people were making art anyways and identifying like the importance of art as either a useful tool in terms of like pottery or art just for like everyday enjoyment and expression. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how you kind of feel about that and your uh, interpretation of that. (laughs)
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And, like, I feel like it's just innate in humans to just, I don't know, like, add a little something (laughs) to what we're making. (laughs) And because, like, why not? And, like, I think to, like... I'm sure, you know, prehistoric days when we were, <laughs> we're not like so separated from just things in general, like, you know, today I just kind of like, um, my boyfriend was like, hey, you should go outside for a bit today. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I will. And then he was like, no, like really, like the sun's like really nice out today. And I was like, okay. And I think he said that because sometimes if I like, sometimes I really just don't go outside (laughs) but like (laughs) you know and like like things like that where it's good to be connected with your surrounding with the world like Mm. nature and stuff like that so the sky earth and definitely in between like prehistoric days if that's all around if that's all around you then you're going to be looking at that and you're going to be thinking about that so I don't know if I were to maybe predict what was going on in the minds (laughs) of people back then like I'm sure it's pretty similar to what we think about now when we're art making like nature has always been a major inspirational thing like even like the cave the cave drawings with like the different animals um you know like elements in pottery are always also inspired by like the shapes of like rocks and what's on like pretty stones and stuff mm-hmm. so Yeah, I feel like we even still do that today. We integrate things that we find beautiful in nature into things that we use every day. So I think it's just like the innate just need to add that to our lives and just be creative. Yeah,
1: it's an inescapable thing, the need to like express yourself in some way. Exactly. And for some people that means making art, not for everyone.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And even just like... I have a friend and she is like she's getting better but she (laughs) you're calling your friend out (laughs) yes and if she listens to this like i i've I've said this to your face too (laughs) but like you know she she's she used to be convinced that like she's like oh i'm not an artist like i i don't i don't do that like i don't make art like um and she's in stem and um is super into video games But like she was playing, she plays video games and she would be super into the designs and be like, hey guys, like this game that I just got, um, like check out these designs. And she would pull them up and would be like gushing over these cool characters. And like my friends and I were like, you're so artsy. (laughs) Like who, like not everybody does that. Like not everybody appreciates the designs of a game like that. And that, that is I think at least like even if you're not materially creating something, like I feel I still feel like you're still participating in art. Like that that to me is like you're an artist. I don't know. I feel like the gates to art should just not be there. So I'm just like, you know what? If you like art, you're an artist too. I like I don't know. If you <laughs> if you can talk to me about art, then like yeah, you're an artist. Like yeah. yeah. No,
1: like you said, I think it's innate. I think like it's maybe some sort of segment of your brain that like Everyone is naturally an artist like you have these uninhibited this uninhibited art making ability as a kid. Right. And until you get to a certain point where someone either tells you that's not good or that's not how it's supposed to be done or that's not important. Like that's kind of when I think it fades. We talk about this all the time on this show. Like I don't (laughs) it always comes up. But like how it kind of just fades away from there yeah. on out and people have this like trauma associated with art making yeah. because someone at some point told them like what are you it doing? wasn't worth doing or right. it wasn't good. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> which is so sad because I have it so is. many amazingly talented, creative friends and people that I meet and it's like, I'm just curious, like, what your art would look like. Like, it's okay, just sit down and make something. Like, your third grade art teacher is not going to come after you, it's okay.
2: (laughs) And be like, will you call that art? (laughs) I don't know what these teachers say.
1: (laughs) That's great. Well, I so I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned that your major in school was in marketing yeah um but then your minor was a little bit more art focused so i know if you want to talk about that a little bit
2: yeah um i studied art history as well as apparel design um my costume costume designing experience came from my apparel design program um so that was really nice and yeah i also just studied art history as well and art history i've been interested in in high school but i just didn't take the class and then so when i came to college I didn't know what my major was, but I knew I wanted to minor in art history at least, or at least, um, learn art history. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason why I didn't go in directly as an art history major, if I already knew that was because like, um, the, I don't know, like we, I came into college and my parents were like, all right, you need a degree in like something that makes money. (laughs) And I was like, valid, you know, (laughs) I get that. So I went in not knowing what business major I was going to do, but I just knew I wanted to still pursue my interest in art history.
1: Wonderful. Do you have is there a uh, a time period art in art history or an artist that you like super connect with?
2: Um, I I generally like contemporary art, um and modern art too, like 1890s onwards. Hmm. Um But that's not to say that i don't like art in other time periods too (laughs) i think it's just a lot of the artists that i tend to gravitate towards just happen to be from the past like 100 years 100 ish years um but one of my favorite artists is yayoi kusama um her works are just so like like so ethereal and just so in another world and yeah especially her like older works too where she like she played around with like drawings more with her like but still had like the polka dots but in different ways Mm -hmm. um yeah I've I always try to go to like galleries and exhibitions of hers if they're around I've been able to go to like a couple in the past years um and like seeing works especially from her earlier years is always super is super cool and i always try to like (laughs) burn it into my mind (laughs) but i don't know like stuff like her and like um yeah just like art pieces that i look at and i'm like i can like i can feel your soul in this like Mm -hmm. it's always cool
1: yeah i always look at her work and kind of associate it with like if you close your eyes this is kind of what the inside of her brain would look like yeah right (laughs) which i think is so cool and such an interesting facet of installation art too um so i also really enjoy it (laughs) i really enjoy her work that's that's wonderful um well i know this kind of veers off into like a different segment of art Um, but i know something else that you mentioned that you're really interested in is studio ghibli yes (laughs) (laughs) um movies which are stylistically um very like and kind of in that like world of anime and i was curious if you had a favorite or in that world like what are some of your favorite uh illustrators and designers
2: yes um I guess, like, shamefully, I don't know their name exactly. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but, like, whoever did just the designs of the monsters and the spirits in Spirited Away, like, amazing. A+. Plus. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that movie, for sure, is has been influential in my art, for sure. Um, and just, like, I don't know. I'm just such a nerd for that movie. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> it's just so amazing. And especially because I really saw myself in – um, the main character, Mm -hmm. like, it's just so, it's just so nice, especially, like, going into the spirit world, and finding herself, um, Chihiro finding herself, I really resonated with that, and I still do, especially, and, like, that ties in with my interest in, like, this hidden spiritual world, too, that I mentioned in my bio, Mm -hmm. um, like, I'm always convinced that, like, there's 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 just things out there there's just things out there that we just don't know and i you can't tell me that there's not out there um especially when just like things in life happen that's like more than a coincidence or like those weird deja vu moments or like things happening and you're like there's no way this is an accident but you know happens um i feel like in those moments i really i feel like there is a different force out there who may or may not just like be out there doing things but um i'm gonna try to real. I, I'm, I'm gonna try to keep this as sane as i can <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know spirited away is, has yeah just been really influential especially like again with the mood of that movie and even the studio ghibli movies in general that have like that fantasy aspect mm-hmm. to them like totoro Um, Princess Mononoke and the emphasis on spirits existing in nature is just, um, it really relates to my beliefs in um, spirituality and our connection with the earth and um, the importance of keeping that. So,
1: yeah, I know we talked a lot about uh, with your Rabbits, your Rabbits, Untitled Rabbits piece, (laughs) um, that kind of desire to create a world that emphasizes peace and um, the connection to naturalistic elements. And I think that that's a very strong inspirational tie to um, those movies. Absolutely. But that's great. Thank (laughs) you. In keeping with that theme of kind of spirituality, how does that fit into like your everyday life and your collage making and your art making? Like what kind of rounds all of that out for you?
2: Again, my relationship with art and my relationship with spirituality um, and all that are all very connected together. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think about a lot of how my relationships impact my art. Um, And so that means like not just my relationship with others but my relationship with myself. Um, And a lot of my relationship with myself that has been um, like an ongoing thing regarding my relationship with myself is acceptance. Um, And whether that means accepting just who I am for all my weird quirks, um, (laughs) the things, the parts of myself that I didn't really like or continue to not really like or avoid, um, like those things, making art really helps me connect with those, um, with those parts and when I'm making a collage or when I'm just making an art piece um and when I get into that meditative state I really try to get in touch with my inner self um and all the aspects of that um the good like the ugly like all of it um and that means like my queerness too and how my queerness and my transness impacts, like, my everyday experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, like, just like I, how I mentioned in my bio, like, collaging as a queer and trans person of color, it's, there's parallels in how collaging is really about taking something that exists um, and then deconstructing that, like, tearing it, cutting it um painting on it drawing on it ripping it apart layering over it whatever whatever you do with that like that is so much like what I do every day with my experience um being queer and then being trans and then being Japanese um because there's just so much unlearning to do in exploring yourself especially in those ways in within this white supremacist system that we're in there's so much unlearning and unpacking and deconstructing and tearing um that you do and then there's also like layering and then seeing what works and what doesn't work and seeing what fits nice and what how you feel about it and then um if it doesn't feel good then you move on to another thing and Like, even just saying those last few sentences, I'm like, am I talking about art again? Wait, what am I saying? (laughs) (laughs) Like, because of how, like, similar they are. It's
1: interconnected, right? Right.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, for me, like, being, like, being myself and, like, all the aspects of my identity, um, I bring all of that when I create my art and then doing that helps me connect spiritually with myself and so yeah like that's how all of this kind of connects to connects together um and it definitely seeps into my everyday experience and what I do like again what I do in art and what I learn doing art and what art teaches me Um, there are a lot of those things you can apply to everyday everyday scenarios and life experiences too so yeah
1: that's beautiful. Thank you. I, I love the connection to your specific, like, art making practice, like the tactile practice of your yeah. art making and how that kind of folds folds, folds. <laughs> God, <laughs> into, into your identity. Um, we didn't get to talk a lot about kind of your self-identity as an artist and, like, your representation as an artist. And I know something that's kind of new for you and that you've been getting into is teaching art yeah and i'd love to talk a little bit about that
2: so my first experience of that or my first like dip into that was this past summer i was an intern at the allentown art museum and my role there was helping facilitate these sessions that the museum was doing um, as a part of this summer long project uh, that was called The Threads That Connect Us. And basically the idea of that project was that we were going around to these different community groups um, and also in the Allentown Art Museum too and having these sessions where people can come in and learn um, sewing techniques and then basically making their own quilt square that was then going to be part of a larger community exhibition. Um, and that was, super, that was super fun to me and very eye-opening where I was able to see people of all different ages like experience everything um come face to face with like these materials and this new way of expressing and seeing these people open up to themselves when they were creating um and i had a lot of fun doing that and i like i was like oh this is so cool (laughs) (laughs) like i love like i love making art like i love seeing people make art that's amazing and seeing the impact of art um especially as somebody who obviously has a lot of emotional connection to art. So and art making. So that was like my first dip into that. And starting from then, I was like, okay, I want to like I want to see what I can do, too, in terms of creating spaces for people to do more of that kind of stuff. Um, And so this past semester, um, I organized a workshop at Lehigh University um specifically for queer and trans people of color and um a chance for them to create and make and for us to like share the space and that was that was really nice um we had like a demonstration I had a demonstration where I just showed people um the basics of collaging um and we had collage we collage with washi and different found materials and then we looked at um some queer and trans people of color artists in the area as well, and that was super cool. And I think that that sort of thing of community building through art is something that I want to explore more and um, really dive into how the art can be a tool to mobilize communities, because I, I've i seen the impact that art making has had on communities throughout my life, um, especially in my own community that's been formed um, where we're mostly a group of queer and trans um, artists of color who've been around Bethlehem. Um, Some of us are students from Lehigh University and some of us are not like, and a really central thing to that has been art making um, and getting to know each other through art. So with that personal experience that I've had with art and community building, that's why I've just I'm just drawn to that um because I know of the power that it has and um I really want to see where we can we can go with that so yeah
1: that's oh that's so lovely to hear (laughs) (laughs) like looking at um kind of delving into that teaching artist relationship as of the, your focus of it is like creative placemaking and helping people find like safe space to create art is yeah. very exciting.
2: Yeah. Because a lot of it, like, I feel like it's really, it's just ha- letting people have the chance to do it because I feel like a lot of people, you know, like, oh yeah, that'd be nice if I could do that. But I have this, or I have that. Um, the world doesn't stop for us. <laughs> so like, and I get that. So it's just nice. Um, if I could be just a part of something that can allow people to have that chance to explore themselves through art um, and just in different ways too, whether that if, if somebody makes art and it's like, I hate this, um, <laughs> I want to try something else, then like that's still a plus because I feel like at least then you try and then you know that that doesn't work. And so then there's other ways that you can explore yourself. Um, and that's like the big thing too, where, I really hope through the workshops and the classes and whatever I end up doing um, and whatever spaces I end up creating, I just really hope that it helps people um, be able to sit with themselves and be like, okay, how do I create this thing from my imagination and bring it to life? Because I feel like, for me at least, that has been really eye-opening for me and being like being able to know like okay i can i have this vision or i have this idea or i have this mood whatever and i want to bring it to life and then doing that that's if you can do that then you can do you can do a lot of things like then you can i don't know like (laughs) you know what i mean it's just like that feeling if i can help someone reach that feeling like then that's amazing
1: well if people are looking to take any workshops with you uh if you have anything coming up
2: i do um so starting in 2022 in january Mm -hmm. i'll be having workshops um and classes at the banana factory um i will also be present at chris kindle mart in bethlehem oh that's exciting yeah for i think um one day one of those days where there's that drop in um drop in art making space i'll be there as well so awesome yeah and then you'll just see me you'll just see me around in the area (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you
1: around well very cool and if people are interested in checking out your art online where can they find that
2: yes um my website is Ray ukan um and that is rei u-k-o-n dot Wixsite.com slash my art wonderful um,
1: and we'll throw that in the episode description for you too
2: nice thank you wonderful yeah
1: Ray, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. This was so nice. I'm so glad that we got to talk about your art and your creative placemaking yeah. and your experience. It's absolutely lovely. And thank you. You've got a great podcast voice. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, it was amazing to just sit and talk, and it was fun.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Ray, for coming in today. Our opportunity of the week is the virtual exhibit, Exposé at the Hemlock Art Space and Gallery in Easton, Pennsylvania. This online exhibit features art that relates to exposure, confessions, secrets, coming out, unmasking, and opening. This exhibit is an online digital show that will be online and projected on the walls of Hemlock Art Space and a Gallery. The online show will run November 13, 2021 to January 3rd, 2022. The projected p- images will be on view Fridays during the same time period. Find out more information about the gallery and the exhibit online at www.hemlockart.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, a Steel Pixel original series. Don't forget to like the podcast, leave us a review, and follow us on both social media and streaming services at Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast.